Welcome to the Crossview Church Message of the Week. We hope you enjoy the message this morning. For more information, visit us at mycrossview.com. Well, good morning. Welcome to Church Online this morning. We're so glad that you're here. Today, we end our series on the book of Daniel. And I believe that today is a message that we all desperately need when things feel overwhelming and we're in difficult circumstances. Have you ever had the experience where you're just tempted to give up because it's really difficult to see a way forward? You know, we've all been living in the reality of this pandemic for seven months now, and it feels like just when things are starting to improve, the numbers go back up and the pandemic continues. If you've ever had that kind of never-ending feeling and, and a difficulty seeing any way forward, then I think you'll find a friend in Daniel as we look at chapter 10. If you were here with us last week, Pastor Holly uh, reminded us that God is able to do immeasurably more than we can think or imagine. And she used the thrilling tale of Daniel and the lion's den from chapter 6 to remind us of this truth. Did you know that last week when we looked at Daniel chapter 6, when he faced the lions, that he was much older than when the book of Daniel began? In fact, most scholars believe that in chapter 6, Daniel was close to his 80s. And as we look at chapter 10 today, he's even older than that, likely mid to late 80s. Literally for decades upon decades, Daniel has been standing firm in the faith, believing that God would provide. And we see that in story after story of God doing just that. And while we've seen God work in so many ways on Daniel's behalf throughout the book of Daniel, there's one thing that Daniel has kept in his heart. And that is that God will provide not just for him, but for his people, for the entire nation of Israel. Because if you'll remember all the way back to week one, we saw how King Nebuchadnezzar destroyed the temple and captured many of the young people uh, and took them as slaves back to Babylon. So Daniel, for decades, has been praying that God would restore the temple and that his Jewish brothers and sisters, who've been in bondage for all of these years, would be released to go back to their homeland and begin to rebuild. Yet what we find at the beginning of chapter 10 is a defeated and depressed Daniel. Look at what it says in chapter 10, verses 1 through 3. In the third year of the reign of King Cyrus of Persia, Daniel, also known as Belteshazzar, had another vision. He understood that the vision concerned events certain to happen in the future, times of war and great hardship. When, his vision, when this vision came to me, I, Daniel, had been in mourning for three whole weeks. All that time I had eaten no rich food, no meat or wine crossed my lips, and I used no fragrant lotions until those three weeks had passed. Daniel dates his vision to the third year of King Cyrus. So it was over 70 years after his exile from Jerusalem. That date is important since it gives us the ability to understand something that Daniel doesn't explicitly mention. This vision occurred two years after some of the Jews were allowed by order of King Cyrus to return to Jerusalem and begin the task of rebuilding the temple. And we find this in Ezra chapter 1 verses 1 through 3. It says this, In the first year of King Cyrus of Persia, the Lord fulfilled the prophecy he had given through Jeremiah. He stirred the heart of Cyrus to put this proclamation in writing and to send it throughout his kingdom. This is what King Cyrus of Persia says. 
The Lord, the God of heaven, has given me all the kingdoms of the earth. He has appointed me to build a temple at Jerusalem, which is in Judah. Any of you who are his people may go to Jerusalem in Judah to rebuild the temple of the Lord, the God of Israel, who lives in Jerusalem. And may your God be with you. Daniel had not gone back with the others, possibly due to his age or maybe infirmity or, or, or because he was still an important figure in the administration of Babylon. Even though Daniel didn't go back with his people, he longed for his people to build the temple, develop again as a culture and a nation and begin to thrive. But the first few years back in the homeland wasn't going so well. In fact, in Daniel chapter 9, just before the passage that we're looking at today, Daniel receives this vision where he learns that it'll be a very difficult road for his people, that they will face enemies and wars and possible future destruction. Talk about emotional ups and downs, right? So we find Daniel here at the beginning of chapter 10 depressed. He was mourning for his people and his country. And I'm sure he kept asking, God, why is this happening? Why is it so difficult for our people? And I'm sure he felt helpless on some level. We cannot read Daniel's mind, uh, of course, but there is something very human about what's being written here, something that we can relate with. Daniel has had a lifetime's experience of God's providential care and supernatural intervention. He has seen God working at the highest levels of state, even in the heart of the emperor. And yet he still grieves for his people and he's worried for his people and his nation. What difficulties they face. As this pandemic continues, are you tempted to feel that there is no way forward? Are you, uh, have you ever been faced with this, uh, a similar kind of emotional up and down with what we're experiencing? Daniel had received three direct revelations from God about the future, and each of them were involving predictions of terrible things that were, would happen to his people. It was almost too much for a sensitive, brilliant, and caring man like Daniel to bear. So it says that he fasted and he mourned, and he said not even uh, bothering to bathe. Maybe he hoped that God uh, had something more to say to him, something that could comfort him in his old age so that he could maybe die in peace knowing that the future was safe. He longed for his mourning to end in joy. So one day, Daniel went for a walk, a walk by the Tigris River. Where he stood by the river, it was about a mile wide. It was one of the mightiest rivers on earth. And this massive river was constantly on the move. The waters were surging past as he watched. And the flow of the great river had been used by Jewish writers and poets as a metaphor to express the flow of history in the nations of the world. And my guess is that Daniel, being reflective here, was thinking about that. As he watches the constant flow of the water, uh, in his mind, maybe he was drawn to the flow of history. Where was Daniel's nation going? Could anything stop the flow toward destruction that he thought was coming? Could anyone swim against it? What was the meaning of it all? And then this fascinating moment where it says that he looks up and he had a vision. First, it says that he sees an angelic figure. Now, as we read about this in Daniel 10, let me just tell you that we're not totally sure who this angelic being is. There's biblical scholars who believe that it could have been the pre-incarnate Jesus in what is theologically known as a Christophany. Now, a Christophany is a fancy word for an appearance before the incarnation of the second person of the Trinity, or Jesus. 
Biblical scholars think that this is possible, this is, this is a possible Christophany because of its similarity to other descriptions about Jesus in the New Testament. But let's look at it together. Here's what it says in Daniel 10 verses 5 through 6. I looked up and saw a man dressed in linen clothing with a belt of pure gold around his waist. His body looked like a precious gem. His face flashed like lightning and his eyes flamed like torches. His arms and his feet shone like polished bronze and his voice roared like a vast multitude of people. Now this sounds a lot like John's vision of Jesus in Revelation chapter 4, starting in verse 3. Let's read this together. The one sitting on the throne was as brilliant as gemstones. From the throne came flashes of lightning and the rumble of thunder. In front of the throne there were seven torches with burning flames. Sounds really similar, doesn't it? Back to Daniel in verse 7. Only I, Daniel, saw this vision. The men with me saw nothing, but they were suddenly terrified and ran away to hide. So I was left there all alone to see this amazing vision. Now it's really interesting to me that Daniel is the only one that saw this vision. The others with Daniel didn't see it. And why is that? Well, we don't know for sure, but what we do know is that there are times when God will reveal something special to someone and not to others. Take Daniel's other visions uh, and dreams, for example. In fact, for those of you who've been followers of Jesus, chances are that at some point in your life, God has shown you something meaningful or, or given you an insight that may have been just what you needed and just for you. It might be that you were reading through the Bible and there was this verse that you'd seen maybe plenty of times before, but this time this verse just jumped out to you and you're like, oh my goodness, isn't this amazing? We've all had an experience like that before. Maybe it just speaks to you in your situation. And so you, maybe you go and you run out and you tell your friends, you say, look at this, isn't this amazing? And they're like, yeah, yeah, we've read, we've read that before, we know that, let's, let's go get some coffee or something. Then you might think to yourself, no, no, this is amazing. You have to see this, right? It could be a message or a song, a moment of prayer. And you come away thinking that that moment was just incredible, that God spoke to you directly. And Daniel has a moment like this. In verse 8, in the middle of this verse, he says this. He says, he's in the presence of this angelic being. And it says, beginning in verse 8, My strength left me. My face grew deathly pale. And I felt very weak. Then I heard the man speak, and when I heard the sound of his voice, I fainted, and I lay there with my face to the ground. Now, this is a powerful moment. And I love what's happening here because there's this strong connection between what we see Daniel doing here and what worship looks like in the New Testament. One of the most translated words in the New Testament for worship is this word proskuneo. It's a primary word for worship in the New Testament. And it means to prostrate. It's, a, it's an intentional bowing yourself down. But there's also this unintentional aspect to it of, of being overcome by God's glory. Bowing down both because of who God is and in surrender. Now remember Daniel's state here. He's in mourning, feeling like there's no hope. He's overcome by his circumstances, uh, feeling the desperate need for his people. And one of the first things that he does is he surrenders in the presence of God. Here is one of the key lessons for us today from Daniel chapter 10. How to have steady faith in difficult times. The first is that we need to surrender our anxieties to God. 
And here's why, and don't miss this, because God cares more about you than you know. God does something here that Daniel desperately needs in his moment of, of, of falling down and surrender. Look in verse 10, it says then this, just then a hand touched me and lifted me, still trembling to my hands and knees. And the man said to me, Daniel, you are very precious to God. So listen carefully to what I have to say to you. Stand up, for I have been sent to you. When he said this to me, I stood up, still trembling. Isn't that amazing? One of my favorite quotes from uh, uh, an author named Brennan Manning, Brennan Manning, and I know I've said this before, uh, says this. Do you believe that God, knowing your whole life story, loves you beyond worthiness and unworthiness, beyond faithfulness and unfaithfulness, that he loves you without caution or regret, boundary limit or breaking point, that no matter what's gone down in your life, he can't stop loving you? Maybe for some of you this morning, this is why you're here. And this is what you need to hear, that you are precious to God, that you are valuable to God and that he loves you and that he cares about you even in the most desperate moments of your life. There's nothing that you can do to make him love you more and there's nothing that you can do to cause him to love you less. He loves you because of who he is, not of anything, not because of anything that you've done. You cannot earn it and you are so precious to God. When you surrender your anxieties and your fears to God, he has a tendency to give you the strength that you need through the power of his spirit, his mercy, and his grace. Look at verse 11. Daniel, you are very precious to God. So listen carefully to what I have to say to you. Stand up, for I have been sent to you. When he said this to me, I stood up, still trembling. God knows the state of Daniel's heart, and he lifts him up and tells him that he is precious. Wow. You know, at times we are so uh, desperately in need of, of hearing those words. When we're in the midst of despair and difficulties, our God is so loving that he can lift up our head when, and we can put our cares on him, our worries, our anxieties on him. But first we need to surrender our anxieties to God. The second thing to have steady faith in difficult times that we learn from Daniel chapter 10 is that we need to recognize that God is doing more than we understand. We come to this kind of odd section uh, in Daniel's vision in the next few verses, in verses 12 through 14. It says this, Then he said, Don't be afraid, Daniel. Since the first day you began to pray for understanding and to humble yourself before God, your request has been heard in heaven. I have come in answer to your prayer, but for 21 days the spirit prince of the kingdom of Persia blocked my way. Then Michael, one of the archangels, came to help me, and I left him there with the spirit prince of the kingdom of Persia. Now I am here to explain what will happen to your people in the future, for this version concerns a time yet to come. Now there's so much that we could talk about here, uh, like the power of prayer. What happens when we pray? Does God hear me? Understanding how spiritual things work, how spiritual warfare works. There's lots of conversations that we could have that come from just those few verses. But here's what's so powerful to me, and this moves me so deeply. And I want you to think about this. Daniel prayed, and he continued to pray, and he continued to pray, and what did he see? Nothing. Not a thing. 
He didn't see anything. But just because he didn't see anything right away didn't mean that God was silent or absent or not working on his behalf. The first time Daniel cried out to God, God heard him and God responded. And God sent help uh, for him and and sent help to do battle for him. And And he did all of this in a way that Daniel couldn't see and didn't understand. God hears you when you pray. God hears you when you cry out to him. And and you just keep praying and you just keep believing. This moment in the story of Daniel can help us recapture this urgency and necessity uh, of prayer in our lives. We can rely on God through prayer when we experience difficulty and challenging times. You may not see anything happening uh, but you have no idea what kind of battle is going on in the, heaven, in the heavenly realms. From a God who loves you so much that he's working behind the scenes to do things that you can't see and that maybe we wouldn't even understand, all because that he cares for you and he loves you. 21 days earlier, when Daniel saw nothing, there was a battle raging because God heard his prayer and the very first time he prayed, he answered. So don't give up on prayer, friends, and trust that God is working even when we might not be able to see what's happening. So to have steady faith in difficult times, we need to realize that God is doing more than we understand. Isn't that good news? So let me just say, Uh, What we've said many times throughout this series, don't be afraid. Trust in the Lord our God, for he hears you, he loves you, and he is working on our behalf. So we surrender our anxieties to God because he loves us, and we realize that he's doing more than we understand or that we can see. And finally, to have steady faith in difficult times, we learn this, that God's strength is made perfect in our weakness. His strength is made perfect in our weakness. In fact, that's a New Testament principle that most of us are pretty pretty familiar with. Paul said it, that in our weakness, God's strength is made perfect. Some of you are uh, going to come to a place in your life where you feel like you've got nothing left. Maybe you're there now, where you feel like you're at the end of your strength. And it can be encouraging to hear that when you feel like you're at your weakest, that that is possibly when you're at your strongest. Not in your own power, but that's when God's power becomes manifest in a really real way in our lives. When you come to the end of yourself, the good news is that's not the end. It can be the beginning uh, to a, a fuller life that relies on God. Look at what it says in Daniel 10:17 through 19. How can someone like me, your servant, talk to you, my Lord? My strength is gone and I can hardly breathe. Now, some of you might, uh, uh, right now, that, that, that might capture exactly what you're feeling and where you are, that your strength is gone and maybe you've been hanging on and you can hardly breathe, but then it continues. Then the one who looked like a man touched me again and I felt my strength returning. Don't be afraid, he said, for you are very precious to God. Peace, be encouraged, be strong. As he spoke these words to me, I suddenly felt stronger and said to him, Please speak to me, my Lord, for you have strengthened me. It says in 2 Corinthians 12, 9, My grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. So now I'm glad to boast about my weakness so that the power of Christ can work through me. Please hear the words that were spoken to Daniel. Don't be afraid, he said. In other words, if you didn't hear it, uh, I'm going to tell you again, for you are very precious to God. P- 
peace. Be encouraged and don't be afraid. This is a powerful vision that Daniel has um, and, and is a perfect ending to our series on Daniel. When God's power comes through in our weakness, he does things that we can't do, like orchestrate the rebuilding of the temple, the salvation of God's people, and God gets all the glory. Where are you feeling weak this morning? Surrender your anxieties to God. Let's recognize that he's doing more than we know or can understand or can even see and understand that in our weakness, God's strength shows through in incredible ways. For when we are overwhelmed and we don't see a way through, God reminds us who he is, how much we can trust him, and he gives us the strength to carry on. Isn't that good news? That is good news. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I'm so thankful again for another story uh, from the book of Daniel that encourages our faith. These times that we're in today can be so full of anxiety that we can feel so desperate and in need of you. And you met Daniel in his desperation. You met Daniel in his anxiety. And we thank you that you do the same for us. We thank you that we can lay our cares, cast our cares, our anxieties, our worries on you. We're, we're thankful, God, that you are working in ways that we don't understand, that we can't see, but that are good. And we trust you. And God, we just thank you that your strength is there for us when we are weak. That uh, we don't have to have the strength to, to carry on and continue day by day, but we can trust and rely that you are the one to carry us through. We thank you and we love you and we praise you, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen.